0: Proverbs 2: 2, 2 says that if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God so if you have your Bible with you this morning and I hope you do please turn to Colossians chapter four we're going to be finishing the final passage in our study of Christ above all from the book of Colossians this morning this is the final passage in Colossians, but this is not the final lesson from it. Scripture actually contains one other final lesson directly related to this letter that we will look at later as the actual conclusion to our study, but for this morning... We're going to look at the final verses of this letter, which are all about how we need each other to live a life that honors and exalts Jesus Christ above all. That's our longing as those who have been redeemed by the Lord. I know it is because Scripture says it is. We seek to honor him with our thoughts, with our actions, with our ambitions and our affections. Jesus through His living, through His dying, through His rising, has given everything to us. As we've been seeing through Colossians, He has given us faith, hope, and love. He has given us wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. He has given us grace, peace, and joy. He has given us power, endurance, and patience. He has given us redemption, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Gratitude, assurance, and glory, Freedom, victory, and fulfillment. Jesus has given everything to us. And we seek to offer everything up to Him. As chapter 3 of Colossians taught us, we seek to put off the sins of the flesh and to put on the virtues of Jesus Christ and to make our entire lives a living sacrifice of praise to the One who has redeemed us. Well, that's a high calling. To exalt as above all He who is above all. And it is a calling that we cannot walk alone. We need each other to live a life that honors and exalts Christ above all. And Paul shows us this here in these final verses as he includes what could be called a group photograph of everyone that was ministering alongside of him at the time that this letter was written. See, even Paul couldn't live a life that exalted Christ above all on his own. He needed his brothers and sisters in Christ to minister alongside of him and to him. And so do we. If you and I are to live a life that exalts Jesus Christ above all, then we need in our lives and in our churches those who serve the ministry, like Tychicus and Onesimus in verses 7 through 9. We need those who encourage the ministry, like Aristarchus, John Mark, and Jesus Justice in verses 10 through 11. And as we saw last week, we need those who pray for the ministry, just like Epaphras did in verses 12 through 13. This morning we're going to see that our service to Christ must be expressed not only uh, through being those who encourage and pray for the ministry, but also God calls us to serve by being those who remain in the ministry, that's in verse 14, who receive the ministry, that's in verses 15 through 17, and who deliver the ministry, that's in verse 18. So this is the final lesson in the book of Colossians. If we are to exalt Jesus Christ above all in our lives, in our families, and in our church, then it takes all of us together. It takes those who serve it takes those who serve by encouraging, praying for, remaining in, receiving, and delivering the ministry that God has entrusted to us, the ministry of Jesus Christ above all. So with that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words to us. Colossians 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities, he is a beloved brother, and faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greet you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. And for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Verse 14. Luke the beloved physician greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. And a nymph in the church in her house. with you this is the word of God who discards all the wicked of the earth like dross and causes us whom he has redeemed to love his testimonies let's pray father we thank you so much for your word we thank you for how it shows us the glory of Christ we thank you for how it guides us on right paths for your name's sake so that as we behold in Your Word the glory of Christ, we might know how to exalt Him in our lives. Father, we want to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. As those who have seen Jesus as He truly is, and experienced His perfect work on our behalf. As we have seen our sins forgiven, and new life imparted. As we have seen the gifts of faith, and hope, and love bestowed upon us as we have peace in this world and joy that cannot be changed. Father, as we have beheld the true object of of worship, the object of our heart's affections in Your Son, Jesus Christ, help us, Father. Help us to live a life that honors Him. We cannot do this on our own. We need each other. And we need Your grace. We need Your Word to guide us today. Work in us, Father, we pray for Your honor. This morning, through the Spirit, through Your Word, exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So after Paul shows us that a ministry that exalts Christ above all includes those who serve, encourage, and pray for the ministry, he then shows us that it also includes those who remain in the ministry. And that's in verse 14. Paul teaches us this by highlighting the importance of a man named Luke. Of a man named Luke. That is in verse 14 where Paul writes this. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Now this sentence is intended to serve as a harsh contrast for us and thereby draw attention to the type of service that Luke gave to the Apostle Paul. And that is the service of remaining. The service of remaining. See Luke, whom Paul calls here the beloved physician... Is the same Luke who authored the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. In other words, this is the man talked of here that wrote 52 chapters of the New Testament. Over 20% of the New Testament was written by this man named Luke. And when you study Luke throughout the book of Acts and beyond, the large takeaway is that this guy Luke almost never left the Apostle Paul. Once he joined him on a second missionary journey, Luke was with Paul through thick and thin. He was, through, he was with Paul through his dangers, toils, and hardships, through his countless beatings that almost killed him, through his arrest in Jerusalem, likely through his two-year imprisonment in Caesarea, through his shipwreck in the Mediterranean, through his times of hunger and thirst, cold and exposure, and through his two-year imprisonment in Rome, Luke was with Paul through it all. Luke never left Paul. And as his beloved physician, I'm sure Luke came to know every pain and every scar that was ever given to the Apostle Paul as he cared for Paul through all of his afflictions. And that's what we need to know about Luke. Luke was Paul's comrade who never, ever left him. So much so that as Paul lay dying in a stinking sewage hole in Rome awaiting his eventual execution, he writes in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, Luke alone is with me. Luke served the ministry by remaining in the ministry. And he's contrasted here with a man named Demas. Though at this point, Demas is still with the Apostle Paul. He won't be for long. Five years later, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Paul writes, Demas, being in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone off to Thessalonica. So there's the sharp contrast that we're supposed to see here in these verses. You have Luke, who out of love for Christ, remained with Paul and his ministry of the word through thick and thin. And then you have Demas, who out of love for the world, abandoned Paul and his ministry of the word when it came between choosing Christ or his own worldly desires. So when it came to putting Christ above all and putting the the letter of Colossians into action, Luke remained, Demas left. And this is a helpful reminder for us. Don't judge the faithfulness of a ministry by its numbers, or by its comings or goings of particular people in or out of it. Because there will always be Demases. Think about it. Jesus had Judas. Judas who followed him closely for three and a half years and beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and he walked off into the night for 30 pieces of silver. He Jesus had at the feeding of the 5,000, 15,000 people following him, and then in a single afternoon, completely leave him. 15,000 people! And here we see that Paul had Demas, who served with him for a while and then fell away. So remember, the soundest, healthiest, and most faithful Christ-exalting ministries that have ever existed in the history of the world still had disgruntled people leave it. As 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out so that it might be complained that they all are not of us. And again, 1 Corinthians 11.19 states, For there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized and that's what happened between Luke and Demas right through all of those trials and all of those hardships the faithless worldly Demas existed so that we would know and see and appreciate with greater clarity the faithful and devoted service of Luke the service of him who remained how important it is for a gospel ministry for people who don't just come and go like leaves before the wind, running after their own desires and their own purposes and hang around as long as they're getting what they want, but instead people who plant themselves and root themselves down deep like a tree in a faithful, Christ-exalting ministry pursuing Christ's desires and Christ's purposes above all. This is so important, to have those who serve by remaining. To have those who find a place where Christ is being exalted above all and commit themselves to remain in it. This is what Acts 2.42 describes so clearly when it tells us that the believers in the early church, listen to this word, devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In other words, they found a faithful ministry supported by faithful believers who were faithfully following after Jesus and they clung to it. They devoted themselves to it. They remained in it. This is what, by the way, church membership is all about. And I know I've talked about this a lot since I've come, but it's because it is biblical. This morning we have four more individuals joining themselves to our faith family after this morning's service, and they're doing so because they've recognized something. They have come to recognize, along with the rest of us, that one of the most foundational ways we as believers serve the body of Christ here in this place is by devoting ourselves to it. It's by putting down roots, getting to know each other and committing ourselves to remain in each other's lives and encourage each other through thick and through thin, just like Luke, towards greater and greater devotion to Christ above all. See, some people might not ever be interested in a relationship like that, such a purposeful and committed relationship, because like Demas, perhaps they're still too in love with this present world or their present sin or their present autonomy. But there will be other people, like Paul and like Luke, who will realize that the only way Christ will be exalted in their lives and the lives of those around him is if they join themselves to a body of believers who are committed to remain affectionately involved in each other's lives for the glory of Christ. So that is why I say that every successful Christ-exalting ministry must have those who serve by committing to remain in the ministry. I encourage you, if you have not yet taken that step of committing yourself to the body of Christ here at Grace Chapel through pursuing church membership, I would encourage do so today. Talk to me or one of the elders after the service or notify the church office this week of your desire. Because every successful Christ-exalting ministry must have those who serve by encouraging, by praying for, and by remaining in the ministry. Next, the Christ-exalting ministry must also have, obviously, those who receive the ministry. That's in verses 15 through 17. And Paul gives two examples of this type of service. The first is the church of Laodicea. Paul writes in verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Now, Nympha's house was probably where uh, the Laodicean believers met at that time. See, a church is not a building. A church is an organized assembly of called ones for a purpose, if you want a short definition of what a church is. But a church, even though it's not a building, a church needs a building, at least if you don't want to get wet. And Nympha evidently had a house large enough to hold everyone there in Laodicea in it. Uh, every believer. And so in a special ministry of hospitality, Nympha opened up her house to the Laodicean church so they could worship and they could meet together and they could exalt Jesus Christ above all as a body. So Paul is basically saying here in this opening phrase, Colossian believers, say hello to Nympha and to the Laodicean believers when you see them. They were too far apart to regularly meet together, the Colossian church and the Laodicean church, hence the two bodies. But when God's providence brings you across each other's paths, Say hello, because you're both in Christ. And then in verse 16, Paul writes this, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. Notice this letter was for more than just Colossae. For more than just one congregation, this letter that we've been studying was to be passed around to all the other churches. And almost ominously, Paul says here that he wants it read specifically to the church of the Laodiceans. And then he says this, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So the Laodiceans had a letter in their possession evidently from Paul that Paul wanted to have also read in Colossae. We don't know what that letter was. Some scholars have hypothesized that F, uh, the, the letter of Ephesians was actually a circular letter and so uh, that was sent to different churches. And so it's possible that Paul might be referring to the letter of Ephesians, especially considering how the content of Colossians and Ephesians are very similar at points. But either way, we discover here that the churches, listen to this, in Colossian Ephesus, after they read Paul's letters and probably copied them, were to swap them. They were to send those letters out to other churches for them to hear the message. Why is that important for me to point out as a pastor? It's for this reason. This practice shows that believers understood that these letters had universal divine authority over all the churches from the very beginning, no church councils needed. You've probably heard elsewise, that is not in accordance with the truth. Those church councils merely came many years later in defense against outside challenges to a biblical canon that our early church had already recognized. The early church knew the moment these letters arrived, this is scripture. And so they would share it with as many churches and as many believers as they could. And notice these churches could simply get up and Paul says, do what with them? Read them. Just read them. They didn't need German criticism, they didn't need professors, they didn't need numerologists or astrologists or sociologists or scientists or bishops or rabbis or mystical teachers to help them understand the truth of God's word. As believers, they simply needed to hear God's word plainly read to them. And because they had the Holy Spirit, they would clearly understand the things that were given to them by God. I don't know if you've caught on to this yet, but most of what I do as your pastor is simply slow down, slow all of us down in our reading of God's Word so that we actually ask questions and pay attention to what's clearly been written. Now, that takes a lot of time and preparation, but I am not creating anything new when I get up here. Because if you have the indwelling Holy Spirit given to you in Christ, you will understand the things that are freely given to you by God. God's Word is clear. You can understand it. Don't listen to anyone who says otherwise. They can just read it, and they would understand it. You can understand the things freely given to you by God in this book. The issue is, will you listen to what's been written? That was the issue here with the Colossian and Laodicean Churches, they had the supernatural ability to understand God's word. They had the ability to understand the message of Christ above all. The issue was, would they listen to it? Would they receive it as they ought to receive the message? Sadly, spoiler warning, the answer is no. They would not listen. Within 30 years, Jesus says to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3 verse 16, I'm about about to spit you out of my mouth. And today, the same area of modern-day Turkey where these letters were originally addressed is one of the most unreached places on the face of the earth. Listen to this. Christians make up only 0.2 of 1% of the population of Islamic Turkey today. And that number includes those in the Catholic and Orthodox churches. In other words, the number of those who actually understand the grace of God in truth, as Paul writes here in Colossians, and who understand the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ above all, is now so minuscule in the area of Turkey if it's not almost entirely non-existent. That's why I think it's interesting that God calls here in verse 16 for this gospel to be shared in Colossian and Laodicea. I want you to know, believers, it needs to be shared there again today. It needs to be shared in all the world. I can't help but wonder, as I was thinking about you all, preparing this message, that perhaps the Lord might be working in someone here this morning to do this very work. To go to this very area of the globe and to preach this very same message of Christ above all to those whom the Lord has appointed unto eternal life. In the area of Turkey. I know people might think that it's a closed country and they might say that. But listen, that doesn't accord with God's word. For Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18-19, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. There's no closed country beneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. The gospel must be preached there. Christ must be exalted in all the earth. And so, I was burdened this week, Let's pray as a church that maybe we can be a part of that work someday. Because the gospel must once again be preached in this very area of modern day Turkey. Why does it have to be preached again though? It's because they didn't receive the ministry. They didn't receive the ministry of Paul and Epaphras and the ministry of this letter. It wasn't received. It might have been read, but it was not received in the church of Laodicea. And listen, that is a warning to us because one of the distinguishing characteristics of Christ's exalting ministry is those who receive the ministry. Those who truly receive the Word of God rightly as it is delivered to them. So we are confronted with these questions this morning as believers. How am I doing listening to the Word of God? Am I listening to the Word of God? How's your Bible reading been? Have you neglected the word of grace in your life? Because there will be no enduring work of Christ's exaltation in our lives, families, or churches apart from the reception of the ministry of the word. How do you hear the word of God when it is given? How's your walk with God doing in the Word? We don't want to be like those in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4, through who do not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears accumulate for themselves, teachers to shoot their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We don't want to be like that, and we also don't want to be like those in Ezekiel's time who did... Who did endure sound teaching, but only because they considered it pleasant, like a beautiful voice or a well-played instrument. No, we want to be like those that are talked about in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, who when they received the word of God, they accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. If we want to exalt Jesus Christ in our lives, in our families, and in our churches, then we must receive the ministry of the Word and accept it. We must swing wide the doors of our heart and let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly as a welcomed inhabitant. He must become The, cherished, it, the Word must become the cherished resident of our days and our hours and our thoughts and affections. If we're to exalt Jesus Christ above all, the Word of Christ must dwell in us richly. Because a Christ exalting life of ministry is always marked by those who receive the ministry. And who do more than just receive it, but who fulfill it. Because look at verse 17. Paul writes, and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Wow. That is heavy. Put yourself in Archippus' place because that's exactly where you're supposed to be, right? Paul has just gotten done listing all of these people, right, who are heavenly involved and in fulfilling their ministry for the glory of Jesus Christ. Here are all these people that Paul's just listed, serving, encouraging, praying for, remaining in, and receiving the ministry. And then Paul turns and he says, Archippus, how are you doing? See to it that you are fulfilling The ministry you've received in the Lord. Listen, Archippus is here for a reason. Archippus is here because he represents every man, woman, and child who's ever embraced Jesus Christ by faith. Believer, God has given you a ministry you've received in the Lord and we are called on here to fulfill it. As James 1.22 teaches, be doers of the word and not mere hearers deceiving yourselves. Beloved, God is doing a mighty work in our day. His saving sovereignty is being advanced in this place, in this community, and around this world. The Word of God, as Scripture says, is not bound. Rather, it is abounding and it is growing. God is drawing His people to His Son with irresistible power. This is the work of God in our day. The miracle He works day in and day out. And in glorious grace, in the midst of His work, God is holding out His hands to us, and He is saying, join me. Be a part of what I'm doing in this world. Fulfill the ministry that I have given to you in Christ. As Fanny Crosby expressed so beautifully, we are building day by day, as the moments glide away, a temple which the world may not see. Every victory won by grace will be sure to find its place in that building for eternity. Redeemed one, you have received the ministry of exalting Jesus Christ above all. So are you involved? Are you available? Are you fulfilling your ministry? Because every successful Christ-exalting ministry is marked by those who serve, encourage, pray for, remain in, and receive the ministry. And then finally, in conclusion, in a Christ-exalting ministry, you've got to have those who deliver the ministry. Those who deliver the ministry. And the example Paul gives here is of himself. Verse 18, Paul writes, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Notice the personal sincerity and seriousness in which Paul carries out his ministry. He says here, I, Paul, write this greeting to you with my own hand. He is personally invested in the deliverance of this message. Paul's heart is in this. As he said at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, he toiled, he struggled, and he gave himself wholeheartedly to the task. He was never contented. He never contented himself by saying, well, that'll be good enough. You know, I can make it up as I go along. No, he poured himself into delivering the ministry and made sure he gave it his all, and by the grace of God that he did the best he could in his service of the Lord. Why? Why? Because as as Paul said back in chapter 3, verse 24, you are serving who? The Lord Christ. The Lord Christ. And even the delivery of the message was an act of worship to God. Every Christ-exalting ministry is characterized by someone who delivers the ministry in such a way. Who understands, as 1 Peter 4.11 says, that whoever speaks ought to speak as one who delivers the very oracles of God. And who approaches the delivery of God's word, like Isaiah one verse two says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Paul understood that. So he gave himself, he gave everything he had to the delivery of his ministry. He poured himself out like a drink offering. He gave everything he had to fulfilling the ministry that he had received from the Lord because he recognized that he was serving the Lord Christ. How could he do any less? And in this closing passage, he calls all of us to join him in that same ministry. He calls all of us to join Him in exalting Jesus Christ above all by becoming those who serve, encourage, pray for, remain in, receive, and deliver the ministry of Christ above all together. He calls us to join Him. And yes, it will not be easy. What did Paul say up here? He said, remember my crowns. Remember my chains. He was in chains because of this ministry. But what could be more glorious to exalt Him who is exalted above all in the heavens, Jesus Christ. It may be hard, but it is glorious. And then in His final words, He reminds us of the triumphant way we are able to fulfill that ministry together. And it is by God's grace. He says, grace be with you. See, apart from grace left to ourselves, we would not know the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Apart from grace left to ourselves, we would not make preeminent He who is preeminent. And apart from grace left to ourselves, we would not desire to worship and serve Him who is worthy. We would think the service of Christ a lesser thing and the service of His people an accessory to our lives. But by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is upon all those who are in Him, we know that Christ is above all, and He is worthy of all from all His people. By the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus, we can and we will exalt Christ above all, and we will do it together. We will do it together by the grace of God. Serving, encouraging, praying for, remaining in, and receiving and delivering the message of Christ above all. We've received this ministry. Christ has been revealed to you. Christ above all. Let's see to it that we fulfill this ministry by the grace of God. This is the word of God from Colossians 4, 7-18, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience until he comes. To that end, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time that we have been able to spend in this book. How it has become like a dear friend for it has revealed to us the glory of that friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank You for how it has shown us Jesus Christ, His glory and His worth. Father, I pray that we would receive the ministry that we have heard, and that we would, upon receiving it, that we would share it with others. Deliver it to those who must hear the glorious news of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the supreme one who is over all. That he is the sufficient one, the only one we need. We thank you that he is the very glory of God. Full of grace and truth to those who embrace him by faith pray that this morning father if there is someone here that is not trusted in jesus christ they would do so they would acknowledge their sin they would run to the forgiveness and salvation that's found in christ alone for the rest of us father help us enter into this next week living lives that exalt jesus christ above all for his and for your honor And glory we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.